Hello, our peoples, and welcome back to How Good Was It? For this episode where we are focusing on the new Chris Nolan offering, Oppenheimer. This is a matter of life and death. I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. I am very excited yeah, to do this film because anytime Christopher Nolan comes out with some new shit, it's a it's cause to get excited. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, yeah. for sure. It's an it's an event movie. And by the way, I should introduce oh. my compadres in crime, shouldn't I? Hello, Scott. Hey, how's it going, Jim? Scott is bobbing up and down on the screen like a wild rabbit, but we'll, we'll take it. We'll take whatever we can get. Scott, I, I'm, I'm hand-holding my uh, my cell phone. It, you know, I, I don't know if people listened to our last episode of Memento, but uh, I am uh, on the road. I am in Vancouver recording from a basement of my Airbnb. All right. Well, we'll take what we can get. Hello, Joe AP. What's up, guys? Hey, June. Good to be back with you guys, as always. Let's jump right in. Um, Joey P and myself, we watched this movie yesterday. Scott had watched it a few days before, I believe, on opening weekend. Let's jump right into this movie because, man, this is probably this is one fully packed film. Chris Nolan how to knows how to start movies off, and just he man he he grabs out hold to a theme, and he just runs with it visually, plot wise. I mean, this movie has it all. Um, but it was a long fucker, wasn't it? <laughs> Three hours long, yeah. Yeah, this is quite some serious runtime. Um, this movie is about, if you don't know by now, which I'm sure, the scientist, the uh, Oppenheimer, who developed the the technology to build the atomic bomb that uh basically ended World War II with the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. Um and um, as with all of Chris Nolan's film, it's more the human behind the science. So it really deals with the trials and tribulations that he had to go through, um, not only with the U.S. government, but with himself, his morals and ethics, um, which is a theme that uh, Chris Nolan always touches upon. We discussed this in our last episode. We did Memento. Not sure what order the, the episodes will be debut in we might do this one first we might uh release the memento episode first but um we did touch upon that theme who wants to start what are what are your what are your thoughts first of all if i may start with something so i went yes. to the theater and i went by myself to see this movie uh and the theater was packed which was great to yeah. see you know uh i in the last my last two visits to the theater to see Dial of Destiny and the, the latest in the Mission Impossible franchise after. And the theaters were practically empty. And that was so eerie. So this time I, I walk into a fully packed theater and I'm like, wow, 
this movie is really drawing crowds. But then I noticed something. 75% of the people were there were female and they were dressed in pink. Oh, oh you're that in the wrong theater, dude. Oh, <laughs> no, no, man. no, no, no. I wasn't in the wrong theater. They, it was they're doing back to back. But they're playing Barbie in the same theater. And a lot of the population of that theater was there to see Barbie. Oh, okay, okay. So that was yeah, and uh, Scott Scott not just had like no, it's no, yeah. It, it, was a Oppenheimer big... a, a blonde like a leggy blonde June? I think I think you saw the wrong movie. I think you uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're about to review the Barbie movie. I did not but, know Ryan Gosling. Was there any was time with a pink airplane that flew by? Or? Damn it! I I was wondering what that was all about. <laughs> it was a pink airplane that dropped the bombs. That explains it all. No, no. But listen, it's great to see people at the theater, regardless of what movie they're seeing. Oh, yeah. The theater that I watched Oppenheimer in was full. It was fully packed. Yeah. It was great to witness. So, I mean, there is hope for the industry, despite what's going it's, on it's, with it's, the strikes and whatnot. Yeah, well, it's a huge weekend. I mean, th that's what I've been reading about this, because Barbie is expected to open like really big, like $150 million for, mm. for the first week. Yeah. And Oppenheimer, they're projecting like 70, but Oppenheimer's in less uh, screens than Barbie, and it's an R-rated movie. And normally R-rated movies don't aren't the big, bar you know, bar Barbie's PG-13. It's going to draw a bigger art audience. So they're they're extremely happy with both. It's, uh, you know, and they compared it to the last big blockbusters that came out, uh, Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones. They both did below what they expected. Yeah. I think they both did like around 50 million. And yeah, it's... um. It's it's refreshing to see two original, kind of original ideas right. um, come out, and uh, it's you know it's not a sequel, it's not a Marvel movie, so you know it's great for movies. That's awesome, Joe AP. How was the theater where you went yesterday? How it was, was there big? Uh, well, turnout? I went to see at the nine thirty p.m. showing, and it was um, so never you need a full attention for this movie. I think. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You don't want to go in with you know full stomach so to speak because uh, <laughs> it, it's very dialogue heavy yeah i mean you gotta how, have how many bathroom breaks did you take Jeff? Was it, i did not take was any it breaks under four? no Whoa. breaks um i because i don't want to miss it because the whole thing was all about talking there was a lot of characters oh, yeah. that, there was a lot of stuff going on so did, I, did you I pee in your cup or i mean i didn't drink how, any how did you make it through no i mean i didn't take any popcorn or drinks i was there at wow. 9 30 was already after dinner so which is there wow. to um, to try to enjoy the movie. So and you brought L with you too. But <laughs> but by the time I, we got out, it was like one o'clock. So it was the, wow. The movie wow. didn't start until like, like 10 15. The commercial, the trailer was the long trailers, 10 but 10 10 around there. So I should have taken I should have taken a, a note out of your guidebook, Joe AP, because I got there right on time. No, well, I got there right on time. But mm -hmm. I, 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 the theater where I went to is very local, so I'm able to walk. But it was mm -hmm. a very hot summer day here in NYC yesterday. And by the oh, time yeah. I got there, I was parched. And I was like, well, I got to get myself a slushy, right? And that was the <laughs> worst mistake. The theater was packed. The line was long. And mm -hmm. by the time I got in the theater, I, I, I missed like the, the opening scene. So I'm not oh. sure how much of it I missed. The first scene I remember watching was uh, 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 Oppenheimer, Killeen Murphy's character. Um, grabbing an apple out of somebody's some other professor's professor. mouth. Professor, so you yeah. guys let me know how much I missed, and so, I don't think I missed anything. Yeah, no. The the movie had opened up. He's he's a Polaroid, right? He's shaking a mm -hmm. Polaroid, and then it starts going backwards and <laughs> memento. Oh, memento. Oh, memento. Sorry, I can't see you. 
<laughs> no, the, oh, the, the beginning was it was just him. Um, there was put him on a trial. There was a trial scene first. Oh, it starts out it, with black uh, and white. Yeah, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was in black and white trial scene, and then they start to interrogating him, and then that kind of brought him to, back to his youth when he went to uh, uh, what, what's Cambridge in in London. For, yeah, yeah, to study under Professor Black, something like that. Okay. But wasn't that so many like notable names in this movie? And they like uh, so, some of them appear like almost distractingly scenes. so. I think there was I think they they went a little overboard with the cast. I think yes. That if I had some gripes about this movie is, you know, I like Matt Damon as an actor. I, I don't need him in this part. You know, it takes me out of Robert Downey Jr. Even though I think he was acting really well, he took me out of this movie at times. Like I I see his manure mannerisms where mm-hmm. he you know. He's very twitchy and like he's wearing all that makeup. Like I, I am like I know that's Robert Downey Jr. You know, he, he uh, was almost unrecognizable. You know, yeah, almost. But for, for, for L, for I, had to, I had to tell L that that was Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they did great makeup job on Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s character, but mm-hmm. his mannerisms and he has a very distinctive way of speaking. The way he phrases words, the way he, you mm-hmm. know, so it's like as soon as he opens his mouth, you knew exactly who it was. I, mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that half the cast that was in this movie. I didn't know that. I didn't know Florence Pugh was in it. I didn't know. Oh, um, she, she is definitely in it. Oh, she's yes, in it. There was a kid <laughs> sitting next to it. us. He's he said to be like eight years old. And he was there with his business family. Another eight-year-old to a nine-thirty show. Yes, and I remember there was a scene when the father go close your eyes, close your eyes. You know (laughs) why would what what kid goes up to their parents says I must see Oppenheimer? No kid. They they probably drag him and screaming. Yeah, I think they just drag him in. That's ridiculous. Why would when I went to see (laughs) um, Mission Impossible? And and God bless them. And there was a, a young couple, and they brought their toddler. It must have been like three years old. Uh, and I'm oh, like, wow. why are you bringing a toddler to see Mission Impossible? And God yeah. bless him. They must have given him some kind of horse tranquilizer or something, because within five <laughs> minutes he was asleep. He so through? he slept through the whole movie, thankfully. Nice. So I'll give them credit for that. But why? What? Listen to yeah. the populace, to our three, maybe four viewers now. Maybe we even reached five. <laughs> if you Listen, have kids, if you have kids, please, please spare us the movie. The other movie reviewers, it makes no sense for you to bring a new. I've seen people bring newborns to movie. <laughs> Why? If you can't get a babysitter, you need to Don't. stay your ass home. <laughs> that concludes my audience courtesy rant. But, so yeah, what did you guys think of the cast? I mean, I I think I I think Oppenheimer himself. I think to, I think how do you say his name? Is it Killian Murphy? Killian Murphy? Yeah, I, yes. I thought he was excellent. He, yeah, he, but I after mean, that, he, a lot of it was distracting. It's almost, you know, the movie's dialogue heavy and characters heavy. <laughs> I just felt like there's too many people in general, and especially like bigger name actors. And I get mm-hmm. it, you know, everyone wants to work with Christopher Nolan. A lot of those people have worked with him many times already. And But I, in a way, sometimes it took me out of the movie. I think the first, they could have trimmed easily the first 45 minutes of this movie. I don't think the movie really gets going until... He gets recruited to, to be co- to head yes. the Manhattan Project. Agreed. All the stuff before it, I'm like, why? Why do we need this? So, yeah, I get it. You got to somehow tie him to the communists a little bit, and you got to do some of it. But it all all that stuff seemed very rushed to me. The whole Florence Pugh relationship was basically mm. nothing. I mean, it, it was really just so that Gil 
commit suicide later in the film or you or you can see her naked or whatever it was her, she didn't have a chance to flush out that character and it, it just no. i i don't know if you needed it i, I just don't i don't think mm -hmm. you, you could have made this movie two hours and 15 minutes and it would have been amazing i i think the last two hours 15 minutes of this movie are incredible but the first yeah. 45 minutes i'm like it seemed to really rush from quick scene to scene and it's like i i don't need all this i don't i don't need it all I think to me the second act was was very boring. It was like too much the story. Second act. Yeah, that when they start getting to the the characters and when they start building the town when it, really it's too, okay. it's, it's too many. Well, the first act was a more introduction of himself, right? The, uh, mm -hmm. And his brother, how they he trying to they're trying to get him in, in you know, join the communist party. I think when. That, there was a scene where I wasn't sure this Emily Blunt was in the background, sat there for a while doing the interrogation. Mm -hmm. Like, you remember that? The, yeah. Yeah. That it, she she was not part of it until, like, you know, the second act. Like, so they she, called her. But yeah. it, I think that whole interrogation is supposed to take place <laughs> over just like a few hours. So, mm -hmm. but they would cut back and forth to, you know, different people being interrogated. And mm -hmm. then they then they cut to the, you know, the actual scenes of talking about an interrogation. So, I think that whole scene supposed to take place was why she's sitting back there waiting for her turn to testify. I think yeah. it's just, uh, you know, it's it's just the way that, you know, once again, Nolan's messing with the perception of time. You know, he's yes, popping that, back and forth. That is mm -hmm. his trademark. I mean, as far as his storytelling devices, he jumps back and forth in time. He did. He does that very well. He did it in this movie as well. But I mean, it does sometimes make it a little hard to discern how long these sequence of events are happening for. So that mm -hmm. whole... Um, it wasn't an actual trial that they put Oppenheimer yeah. in. It, it was more like a closer to a deposition, right? Mm, but yeah. but you don't really know how long that deposition. It could have, did it take place in over the course of a few days? Was it a few hours? Yeah. You don't really know. And I mean, at the end of the day, maybe not as important a detail, but it it makes it a little bit difficult to to follow a timeline, so to speak. But going mm -hmm. back to what Scott said, I do agree with that. Uh, one of the things that did distract me out of this movie was the cast. I did again. I didn't know half the people were going to be in this movie, and I found myself, you know, a uh, perfect uh, case in point. Um, the other scientist, as played by, uh, he was a young hotshot. Um, is it Hartnett? Yeah, Josh Hartnett. Who had Josh Hartnett? Doing, thank you. Any kind of actor for what? Yeah, but Josh Hartnett was the he. He's had been around for a while. Uh, yeah, he just came, yeah. came back from retirement almost. But another character that was pretty crazy is the uh, Josh uh, Peck. He was from the Disney character, that the two brothers. He was a chubby little boy back in Disney. I don't know who did he play in this movie. He was the guy that actually pushed the button for the testing. Like he he had a big. Oh role. my gosh, you're so right, Joe AP. I didn't realize. I I kept saying throughout the movie, I'm like, this guy looks familiar to me, but I couldn't place him. Yeah, he was a little fat kid from Disney um, show that uh, uh back in the oh. day. But how is he? I mean, the characters. It's so. <clears throat> it's, that, it's it's so wild. It's, yeah, it's all that, over the place. And how many scenes Remy was in the from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? That was the biggest surprise to me in the whole movie. And, you know, he's no matter how they dress him, no matter what, uh -huh. he, he has indescribable those eyes by themselves. Yeah. He, he looks like yeah. he could he has some kind of x-ray vision, man. But but you're right. When he popped but, up, I was like, 
what the hell is Rami Malik? Is it Rami Malik? I think uh, Malik, yeah, Malik. Rami, yeah. Like, Malik. What is he doing in this film? I was, I had no idea. Half the people who are in this film are in this film. And yeah. to, to Scott's uh, remark earlier, at, at times I did find it a little distracting when I realized um, the biggest one was Rami Malik, because yeah. again, he's indistinguishable. He has his own, you know, that's the wrong terminology. I think indistinguishable, but it, he's so. You know, he has very distinctive oh. features. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. as soon as he stepped on the screen, I was like, holy shit, it's uh, Freddie Mercury. You know? But he was, was like, only there for like maybe three or four scenes. Yeah, he, had maybe uh, like oh, he was there for nothing in the, in the middle of the film. But exactly. Then he had a huge role at the very end. Then he's the one that's, you know, you know, telling the Congress that um, that uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character was, uh, was behind everything. You know, he, yeah. he screwed over Oppenheimer. So he has a big part in the end. But for most of the film, he was just in the background. As yeah. I was telling you earlier, um, Josh Hartman. Uh, uh, Pac- no, oh, Pac- Pac- I'm sorry. Pac- I'm sorry, George. Yeah. He, he oh, was, yeah. what is he doing there pushing the button? He has the very important role. Small, nothing role. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. mean, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Why is he there? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, the, the character is a pretty interesting uh, cast, but to say the least. Like a lot, a lot of yeah. characters. Yeah. It was an interesting cast, but. I don't think, to, to Scott's point, it probably didn't need that kind of star power. This is mm. a movie that is built heavily on characterization. Like Joe mm. P said before, rightfully so, it's basically, the whole movie is talking heads, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and understandably so. It's the story about the man uh, behind that science, right? I think a lot of people, and, and probably the way this was promoted in trailers or whatever, they, ex- mm-hmm. ex- they expected probably a, a lot more of a visual spectacle and um and and you know especially since uh chris nolan decided to film this whole thing in imax which i didn't watch it in imax and i was fine um <laughs> I, I was like this didn't oh, need to go into IMAX. it was cool in imax especially well, the guess. when they test the bomb that was that was pretty impressive in imax yeah that was beautifully mm. done by the way that was a very yeah. effective scene. We we there was a buildup obviously to that scene, right? Mm-hmm. When they actually mm-hmm. test the bomb, and the way they led into it was brilliant. And when it actually happened, he did such a brilliant take on it. Oh, um, where you see it first, and then you feel it and hear it. Afterwards. Well, yeah, the silence. It was like yeah. total silence, no score, no nothing, and mm-hmm. then yeah, then that explosion. Uh, you know, the the aftershock. It was it was really cool. Yeah, brilliantly done. I, you know, oh. I can appreciate like the background noise or sound effect, but sometimes it's hard to hear what they were talking because the sound, sometimes it's come through a little bit too loud and then the voice, you're missing mm-hmm. certain, you know, like, what is he saying? Yeah. What is he saying? You know? Did you but, watch yeah. it in IMAX as well, Joe AP? No, no. I, I couldn't go to St. Pete because it was too far and um and it was late. So I thought, you know. That's uh, one thing just... I did notice, the sound. Mm-hmm. Um. Chris Nolan definitely puts as much emphasis on audio as he does on video, right? Mm-hmm. And he uses audio very effectively in, in most of his films. Um, this was a film that while I was watching and hearing the things mm-hmm. that were going on, I was like, oh my God, if I watched this in IMAX, I would probably go into cardiac arrest. Yeah, your like, heart like, trembled, yeah. <laughs> there were points where, where like, for example, like the, the scene we when they did test the bomb, as we just mentioned, and you get that after effect where you don't, it's it's you know you you see the bomb and you don't mm-hmm. hear anything and then when you hear it 
it, yeah. you hear it and i was like oh god in imax that must have been absolutely horrifying for sure yeah how was that scott it was, was yeah no it's the the sound was amazing i mean really the, the rumble you felt it you felt it go through you uh it was it was impressive yeah no mm-hmm. i i definitely worth seeing imax now uh i wanted to bring up a point uh, and i think joey p would appreciate this oppenheimer was quite the pimp and he's all a, the women he, they'd be dead oh, yes thank you, you see this oh, yeah. remember the scene yeah, with the baby's crying <laughs> he fucking took the baby and gave it some of them he said this, this baby's needs to be here for a little while <laughs> well i think emily blunt was even worse i mean she she'd want nothing to do with those kids oh my god oh, yeah. they were horrible people i was okay. like <laughs> that's what is I, going on uh, yeah i go thought ahead, about, i thought of scott right away i was like okay he you think Stallone's dead beat dad. Offenheimer is fucking dead beat dad. Oh, I, I don't. They're equally terrible. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I think she probably tie up taking care of the baby all day because he's probably like always yeah. at the lab. Oh, okay. okay, hold on. Um, I just wanted to make sure the audience gets the reference. We did a previous episode. I think it's our second episode. So you, I, I highly recommend you go, <laughs> go into back. our back catalog of podcasts. I believe it's episode number two where we uh, did an episode on the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. So that's the deadbeat dad reference. Uh, I won't go into it any further. Please, you were saying- Joe, you, Joe no, no, here, let, let me defend Oppenheimer a little bit. You know, at least, uh, <laughs> unlike Stallone, Oppenheimer had a real job in uh, it was a you know, successful- he, he doing something for the world. Not, not a truck driver in who arm wrestled on the side, you know? He did He did develop, uh, he brought quantum physics oh to the God. US. Yeah. So at least he, he did, it's okay for him to be a deadbeat. So that's okay to ignore your kid and put yeah. bring your kid, uh, drop it off that's, to that's someone else, well, to your mistress' was, house. He was busy <laughs> developing a bomb that will kill hundreds of thousands of people. I, you know, he was priorities. busy sleeping with everybody's wife. It, yes. it was not. It was always somebody else's. All these women he messed around with were married, right? Other than I married, have, I have no idea that he's a, he's such a human a womanizer. I had no idea, and he well, was. There were people were quite nonchalant about that shit, weren't they? It was like, yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah I'm with you, and I'm. She's leaving yeah, I'm her husband her. for me. Yeah, I got, I got your wife pregnant, and I, now I'm married. I guess the party back in the '40s is like a swing party. You just go and bring your wives, and you can talk to anyone, and you know. I, I could see how that would happen. You, you're in the middle of the desert in a town, and you're seeing the same people every day. But still, it it was like, <laughs> wow, well, man. So I got to, I looked, I found an article the other day about them. They showed the real people compared to uh, the actors. Okay. Tell you what, uh, Oppenheimer wasn't much of a looker himself, but his, <laughs> the, the, the girls, they, 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 they didn't look like uh, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh. I'll tell you that much. Okay? Well, very few people do. I mean, they're both <laughs> yeah. incredibly lovely women. Um, listen, I, one of the highlights of this film for me, I'm a huge Florence Pugh fan. I think she's incredibly <laughs> talented, as she is beautiful. Even I never thought fan. I never thought I would see her in a new team. It, it was a shocker. It was. I, it was a shocker, and in, a, in the I, best I way. I did know this ahead of time. And I like yeah. I like the camera how Kristen Rowland kind of filmed up close, like right up to the face. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did figure well, you'd appreciate. That, oh yes, scenes. and how about so, the yeah. scene where he, his wife, is imagining that they're they're having under uh, interrogation? In the <laughs> yes, that, that was bordering on uncomfortable for me. Yeah, that oh, was weird, sure. man. I, I mean, I get where Nolan was going with that, and and mm-hmm. he wanted to make it intense, 
Um, but yeah. still, it was like so weird. Like, like I imagine them filming that scene, it, being Florence Pugh. Yeah, That's I felt like 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 they must. I don't know. Who knows? These actors are. Yeah, yeah. They just I, I they didn't really do her any favors. You know, I they gave her a role where essentially she's in the movie for fifteen minutes, and you know half of it she's naked, and uh, they didn't really get her character. You don't you don't understand her motivations. She just doesn't want flowers, and she. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh she's a communist and she uh so why is he drawn uh, to know, her uh, yeah and why she keep wanting him back you know she oh, but oh, she's also drawn why? to him yeah you know, she pushes him away but then she kills herself because he's not with her you know it's a, well, i i don't they don't they don't really kind of explain it more and yeah did she really they, kill herself but there was a scene where there's a hand pushing well, her they, they no, made it seem speculative to me that got that speculative well, I, yeah. I, I, on the contrary, Scott, I, I, I see, I feel very much. You know exactly why she was in there, but it justifies your reasoning even more. It, it made yeah. knowing that she was just there to provide emotional fodder, so to speak, right? Just so Oppenheimer mm -hmm. can have that moment where he's struggling with himself and feeling guilty about her death. It wasn't enough yeah. reason for that. For her that character to be in the movie that it just wasn't it it didn't justify yeah it. They, they try to pack too much into the movie you know it, yeah. it's three hours long and, and you feel like they're, they're missing parts of it so yeah it was, they kind of, they should have just left parts of it out completely yeah yeah um with with emily blunt playing his wife um yeah you know they they, they visually touched upon or i guess you they try they were implying that she was an, an alcoholic yeah um yeah. <laughs> but but it was like what's the point of that you know, what was the point? Because mm -hmm. it didn't really go anywhere. They didn't show how it affected their relationship that True. much. Besides that scene when they mm -hmm. walk, when he walks home from work and uh, the baby's crying. And he didn't seem to care much that the baby was crying either. Because the first <laughs> thing he does when he walks in the door was like, oh, we, we achieved this today. You know, and it's like, it's like, oh, shouldn't you go see the baby? You know, it's like it, it was kind of like a, the, the kid was a was an afterthought. And Do you understand. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, do you understand the scene when uh, he called her and he would tell her about putting the sheet away or don't put that the sheet away? That was code. He wasn't allowed to what? disclose anything as Success. what was going on. So that was, he goes, if we succeed, you'll get a call. Mm. I'll call you saying to 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 take the sheets down. No. Okay. So uh, the, okay. the experiment, the, 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 the blast was a success. And so okay. that, was, that was the code. Um, okay. I, really, I must have missed it. Now, referencing that scene, of course, because that is the high point of the movie when they find when they test the bomb and find how successful it is. Mm -hmm. And I like how they showed that, OK, it was a celebratory scene, right? They went to celebration. They were very happy. They achieved what they mm -hmm. set out to achieve. But there were a few people that you saw it in their face. It was it was very apparent that they were like, OK, we succeeded, but this is going to lead to bad shit, mm. you know? And I like that they, they explored that from that scene. It wasn't just everybody having a party, you know? Um, the characterization in this movie was, was great as Christopher Nolan just knows how to write good characters. But again, referencing the, the roles of uh, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, it just, some of it seemed unnecessary, especially in a three hour movie. If you're going to, push a movie to to beat three hours it's a lot to ask from the audience and so everything in those three hours should be important they should have extreme relevance mm -hmm. um but i mean who knows 
<laughs> Who knows where Chris Nolan was? What was the budget for this movie? Oh, I could only imagine, man. I could only imagine. I, I, it, 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 it looks expensive. Um, all these mm-hmm. characters. So, I have hundred million dollars. That was it. It's only hundred. Well, million I mean, dollars? when you think about it, I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of it was practical effects. So mm. that's always going to be cheaper than CGI. The CGI was probably mostly, um, you know, showing the bomb and its effects. Mm. Um, but but outside of that, it was mostly drama driven. This movie. So true. Yeah. Casey as Affleck. What that was a surprising scene too. The Ben Affleck's brother, Casey. A- oh yeah, Affleck. yeah. What is what it was he he was the person he was he was the general that. Um, trying to play try to set him up right like there were there was, he was a like, scene where he, he he's like in charge of security so he was trying to make sure that no, no leaks get out and if there was any kind of leak he would go and, and investigate it and oppenheimer made the mistake of uh of uh confess you know, trying to and... well he was trying to sell out he wasn't selling out his friend but he had somebody had told his friend that uh he wanted to meet with oppenheimer basically trying to get secrets about the program a communist and oppenheimer just didn't uh he didn't go but he didn't want to sell his friend out saying that his friend knew about it so he just said that you know investigate the one guy and you know Affleck is basically figuring out that uh, oppenheimer's friend was also to blame so um sorry we kind of jump all over the place but but if he knew that this um atomic bomb is doing such a harm to to, to the world, why did he continue to explore H Brom? You know, like why why did he not just stop? You like, mean Oppenheimer yeah. himself? Yeah. I, I think this is what I took from it. Because the movie focuses heavily on his moral dilemma. You know, for, for Oppenheimer and and I think uh Chris Nolan did a great job of showing the moral dilemma, the moral battle within him. Because mm-hmm. He was a man of science, first and foremost. They established that from the beginning. That was his right. main reason for being, right? Um, that was his passion. That was his goal. He's a man of science. He wanted to discover and he wanted to break new ground. Um, this science of atomic energy, um, utilizing to, to util, utilizing atomic energy to build a bomb, of course, in the, in, it, from the start, it's going to turn him on as a scientist. You know, they showed that very well in this movie. It's it was it wasn't just about beating the, the Nazis. It was just about breaking new ground in science. But mm-hmm. as time went on, because it did take them, what, a few years to develop the, this bomb successfully um, uh-huh. within that time. they I think Chris Nolan did a great job of showing how his mindset changed, how he started to realize uh, the moral the morality behind building such a weapon i don't i i honestly think as depicted in this movie uh, again we only know from you know history books and and films such as this but i have to think that a lot of it was true that he did struggle that he reached a point where it was like past the science mm-hmm. and just as a human being what he was creating and the potential for destruction in the wrong hands. And as time went on, and he had to work with the American government on this, right? They were funding this. 
They had their own rules, their own guidelines on what he could do, how he could do it, what he could say, who he could have involved. And he started to see for himself how the American government was just like every other freaking government on earth, just as corrupt, just as, you know, he he realized at some point that they were going to just take this technology and run with it just like any other government would. Mm-hmm. And so for the Americans, it was just a race as to who could get it done first. You know? So when they established the, the A-bomb, they need to do more because they know that the world will caught up to the technology. So then they went on to H-bomb. Yeah. But Oppenheimer mm-hmm. could, can he just say, well, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm up no. out. I, come on. I mean, realistically, do you think that the government would have? Well, let uh, him? Yeah. No. I mean, they probably look, I don't want to go as far as to say they would have off them and he would have ceased to exist. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, as we saw, they made his life a hell after that. They stripped right. him of credit of credibility. They stripped him of, you know, and listen, one of the best scenes in this movie were the few scenes of the interaction between him and the father of atomic energy, Albert Einstein. Right. Mm-hmm. And how Einstein forewarned him and said, yo. Yeah. You're going to see what's going to happen with this government once they see the potential of what you're doing and how they're going to want to use it for their own methods. And he mm-hmm. was absolutely And then right. throw you away afterwards. And then, and then once they get what they want from you, then, then they're, they're done with you. You know, they, they, yeah. he wasn't one of their kind of guys to start with. And so when they got what they wanted, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's it. Oppenheimer was warning them, was warning people that, as soon as we're done with this, it's going to be the Russians' goal to get the same technology. Right. And he was absolutely right. It, we went from the country, went from World War II into the Cold War, which lasted into the 80s. And I wanted to reference that, actually. But um, I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, I was a teenager. And nuclear energy, nuclear bombs was in the headlines every day. Something mm. having to do with the Russians and nuclear weaponry was in the news every day. And if, if and Scott may remember this, remember that that it, it, by today's standards, it was cheesy as hell. But do you remember that TV movie, The Day After? It scared oh, yeah. the hell out of me, Jim. That movie scared me so much as a kid. I thought, like, oh my god, the world's gonna end. Yeah, uh, it, it yeah, we all scared. Me. That's the effect it had on everybody. We watch it today, and it's like a joke. I mean, the the facts and everything, it's horrible. The acting is horrible. But back then, I remember watching that movie as a kid. I was a young teenager, maybe. And I remember going to, to school the next day. And that's all everyone spoke about all day. Did you see The Day After? There were two movies. It was The Day After, and there was one from the BBC. I think it was called Threads. Did you ever watch that? Look that one no, up. If you that. think The Day After was terrifying, Threads was another level. Because it took it a step further. It was a storyline involving the cold war and they did magic in the in in threads um if i'm not mistaken i'm sure the audience will correct me at some point um uh they ended up bombing britain the uk and it was desolation destruction and it was the effects afterwards and it follows certain people and their journey in trying to survive this aftermath of, of a nuclear war and where the day after was terrifying in just thought and theory, right? It didn't mm. really show as much as Threads did. I, I strongly advise you watch both of them. And again, by today's standards, 
as far as visual effects and whatever, you're just going to laugh your ass off. You're going to giggle. <laughs> but you're going to see the difference between these two two films focusing on the same premise and how each of them handled it. And that's how we were living in the 80s in America. We were mm -hmm. always, oh, when is the bomb going to drop? Because we were sure it was going to happen, right? Things just kept escalating to the point until the USSR was broken up and it became what it became today. But man, he called it. Oppenheimer called it. You know, he was like, the Russians are going to want this and it's going to lead into what became the Cold War. So, you yeah. it's this movie is all about well, morality and ethics, like like Chris Nolan's other movies. You know? For sure. Yeah. No, for sure. So, guys, uh, I am I am in Vancouver and on vacation. I have to get going. So let me give my review. I think you guys should keep on talking about the film. Sure, go start. Um, but, all right. So, you know, how good was it? Uh, it was good. All right, I got to go. Um, <laughs> this is, this is a, it, it's a very good film. Like I said, I, I do think it was too long. I think, uh, I think he really could have cut out you know, I would have liked to have learned more about it. I mean, I almost feel like this movie could have been a five-hour film. I would have been fine with it. Maybe even break it up into two parts just so that you could get more of the backstory. I feel like a lot of that early backstory is very rushed. You mm -hmm. know, quick from scene to scene. Not a lot of in-depth. Not a lot of, you didn't get to spend time with these characters. I would have liked to have seen more of Florence Pugh, literally. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's just, it wasn't all... I don't think it was all there, um, but mm -hmm. once once it gets going, I I just you can't keep your eyes off this film. You know, it's beautifully shot, well acted. Mm -hmm. I did find myself getting distracted by certain characters. I, I'm pretty sure Robert Downey Jr. is going to get nominated for best supporting actor. And yeah, he was quite good in it, but I I still saw him kind of shining through. I think it was the most of this cast. I think they're so well known. I don't see them. Uh, I. I get distracted of them in the role. You know, that I, when I'm looking at Matt Damon, I'm not thinking of the general, I'm thinking of Matt Damon. And I mm -hmm. think only Cillian Murphy, I think he disappeared in the role in a way. Uh, and I, I think, uh, I think Emily Blunt was pretty good in this film. Um, but it, I was a little bit distracted by her at first. I, I do think she, the way she closed out the film, I think she, she did quite a good job. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, in Nolan's hierarchy, I, it's it's one of his better films. You know, it is a it is an incredible achievement to to shoot to make this movie. So, I, how good was it? It it was really good. Um, you know, if I if I was rating Nolan films, which I think you guys will probably do at the end of this podcast, it hmm. would probably be my top five. I don't think it's going to be my number one Nolan film. I think for me, I think Dun Dunkirk's probably my favorite. Pi Memento is probably my second favorite film. Um, you know, after that, everything else is really close, you know, but uh, it's this is right around there. I would say maybe maybe like my fourth or fifth favorite uh, Nolan film. Still and um, yeah, no, still pretty high. And, and tennis is probably still my least favorite. So. But uh, I, I will bid you all adieu. Enjoy this conversation and uh, whatever game you guys make up today and do. Um, yeah, I want to be curious. Yeah, you guys are gonna do a game today? No, you're not gonna come up with it. We'll play game. it by ear, but listen, Scott, we're just glad you were able to do this. Thank you for cutting into your vacation time. Thank you to your beautiful wife, Mary, for allowing mm -hmm. it and her family. Please enjoy a safe, restful, and peaceful vacation, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure this will be the best episode ever. The least amount of Scott is probably the best episode. I doubt that very highly, but we'll do the best we can, man. 
the, the tower's <laughs> crumbling, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your vacation. I, Enjoy. I, and I'm leaving in three, two, one. Last <laughs> Again, thank you to Mr. Scott Heckathorn, man. It's 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 a blessing that you were able to do this at all. Um, thank you. Um, why are you still on screen? I don't know. Get the fuck out of here. You're on vacation, bro. Get out. Carrying on with Oppenheimer. I'm gonna I'm gonna push it on to you if you want to give okay, your opinion. Sure. First. Well, um I just want to talk a little bit more about Emily Blunt character. Sure. I, I, she's my favorite, you know. I mean, oh, I'm she's amazing. Almost, she's a, just and, an amazing talent. In every movie, uh, and, and she's very good. And, yeah. and you know, I, I really enjoyed her, but her characters, I, I, I'm a bit disappointed the way they have her portrayed. Meaning, mm. like, uh, you know, she's more, more so of a question, like why she put up with him, why does she want to have a family when they first met? She doesn't want. She straight out said she doesn't want that to have family. She and yet she want did. To be, <laughs> and then she did, and be a housewife and have two kids. Uh, you know, um, with with Oppenheimer's. And, That's a very and, good point. I was surprised when they showed her pregnant with the second child. I was like, "Wait a minute, you're doing yeah. it again." So, yeah. I mean, I know the testing took about three years to get to be um, for the bomb. Uh, and what was the budget? Was it two billion or two million? Two billion. Two. That was two billion. Now that that's a lot by today's in the forties. Oh my God! What is that in a, in today's standard? You know, I, I could. I, I'm gonna say it's it's probably triple that. You know, six to eight eight billion easy. Back then, I was like, I didn't even know America had that kind of money. Two billion dollars. <laughs> that is insane. But hey, listen. The government finds a way, don't they? I mean, that's that's insane. I I didn't know that that uh little bit of history, how much it cost. And, to yeah, and they develop. only mentioned that like briefly, just like yeah. a brush, you know. So yeah. I I was I wasn't sure it was two million or two billion, but it's two billion. Two billion. So that that was yeah, that was something else. Yeah. So uh huh. But uh, yeah, and I mean, and other than that, the characters. Like Scott said, you know, we we kind of drive in that into characters more than the story plot, which is makes sense because we, I mean, this is a very current movie, and I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast on this about this movie, they've probably seen the movie already, or yeah, by now, movie, I would right? I would think so, yeah. So I mean, what else do you want to touch on based on the movie? Well, how good was it for you? Where where would you and and uh, like Scott did, where would you rank it among Chris Nolan's no, uh, Chris no, Christopher <laughs> Nolan Christopher Nolan's work? Like where does um, it rank for you? So, well, he sent us a list. I have a list of the movie that. Well, most, first, how good was it for you? How on what level? The movie, I think, uh, um, it's it had is it's very well made. Uh, cinema photography was was on on point um the way the shot was you know he the movie was good um the i see some similarity with um memento uh yeah. where they, they're going back and forth on uh, on scene um you know it, it's funny because we just saw memento and then this movies almost have similar ties to it um yes, the, the I, same I agree. Yeah. The, the same um uh patterns almost the, how he tells stories um, and, but, and again, the, the character was overwhelmed. I, I think there was too many characters to, uh, many, too many big names, 
mm. in the movie that unnecessary, not necessary. Um, and uh, at times it's, con- it's, it's just overwhelmed. But this, the movie itself, the storyline, it, well, it's not a it's not a, a storyline. It's more like a characters driven, right? They, they were telling most most importantly is the character of Oppenheimer's and how he became who he is mm-hmm. uh, and today and then. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I, I I I think the movie was very good, but I I don't have a lot of comparison from Christopher Nolan's movie Pass. Uh, I would well, compare- From what you have seen, because you have watched Interstellar, you have watched Interstellar, uh, yes. Dunkirk. We so spoke this about is, that. Yeah. Right. This is my top five, but not the top five. I mean, it's not the, the you know, I would I would say it would rank right in number three. Oh, three best. wow. So, That's pretty high. Uh, three best? One of the three, I mean, I think uh, Dunker was the was very good. Um, I really liked that. I liked uh, 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 what was another one that um, it was Interstellar, Inception, Inception. Actually, the Dark I really enjoy Inception. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, this would be in in the rank three or four for me. Okay. Wow. So wow, that's that's still that's pretty good. Um, and, and your is. And yours? Uh, well, first I'll rate? go into how good was it for me, right? And and okay. why? Um, you know, the, Chris Nolan, it's hard for him to fail, right? Even his weaker films have his voice in it. And what I mean by his voice, he has a, a definitive style. Um, you touched upon it and in the way he uh, handles the story and giving a perception of timeline, right? He jumps mm-hmm. back and forth. This is a constant... Uh, trope within his movies his jumping back and forth between time to tell a story mm-hmm. um, and he did that very well in this one as well you know he did it uh, stylistically the way he would go from certain scenes in black and white to color to convey when in the timeline these scenes are happening so he's very mm-hmm. good at that he has a down pat at the, you know it's a, it's a, it's his voice it's his style at this point and it's a, it's a signature style um, that being said with this movie I enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, did it need to be three hours? For me, definitely not. I think he could have done it in two. Um, right. Going back to both you and Scott's points as far as the cast, who doesn't love a stellar cast, right? We we got mm-hmm. Emily Blunt, who we both agree, um, an immensely talented actress. Florence Pugh, one of the best young actor- actors in Hollywood today. She right. has such range. Um, Josh Hartnett, um, Robert Downey Jr., who's one of my personal favorites. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, did it really need that? It, it it did. I agree with Scott in that it was a little bit distracting that when they walked upon this any scene and on the screen, you're like, that's Robert Downey Jr., that's Florence mm-hmm. Pugh. Um, and the reason I think it was distracting is there's a movie, uh, like you said before, it, it's 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 a lot of it's talking heads it's a lot of talking it's a lot of exposition it's a lot of mm-hmm. explaining it's a lot of a uh, drama and when you have movies like that where it relies on characterization more than it does on what's actually happening in the scene it's easily it's easy to get distracted by a top name actor mm-hmm. um every time robert Dooney, Robert Downey Jr was in a scene 
And he was brilliant. I think he was brilliant in this role. Mm -hmm. And 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 I agree with Scott. I could see him getting a best supporting actor uh Oscar thing going with this. I and he probably deservedly so, depending on, on what competition he's up against at the time. But it did take me out of the movie. It did, it was Robert Downey Jr. and very well done practical makeup, but it was him because he mm -hmm. has a very distinctive style of acting, of speaking, of moving. Um, same with Matt Damon. Matt Damon has seems to yeah. me to fall into a very comfortable niche of playing uh pudgy middle-aged himself he's yeah, a typical character yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he does it well he was great in this right. role as well i mean but but it was a little distracting that being said it's still made for a very good movie chris nolan always runs on all cylinders he's just a great filmmaker period at the end of the day this is not one of his weakest efforts by no means um uh, I agree with Scott in that, to me, Tenet was probably his weakest film. And even mm -hmm. that had its high points. Even that was very watchable and better than most filmmakers will ever achieve. Well, um, I think he's the star. I think in uh, even though he's not in the movie, but he is the star, I think. you know, if, if Yeah, if he makes the movie, people would I come agree. Because, of, because of him. Yeah, you know? very well think, said. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, that's why I think all the characters could be, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure he had reason why he picked certain character, but is it, is it because of him that make the movies, not the characters? I don't. I, you know what? I think there's, that's a very good point. And I'm glad you touched upon it because I can imagine where it, it's like, he's one of those filmmakers that when actors find out he's making a film, they want to mm -hmm. be in it. Right. They're probably calling him up. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to be in this film. Give me any role. Right. Well, I need to be in this film because because you're good like that. Um, right. So, yeah, I could see that kind of scenario play out where people were lining up to be in this film. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very good point. Um, Killian Murphy in this role. Uh, not surprising at all to me. He's always he's a brilliant actor. Killian Murphy mm -hmm. is great. Um, he has such great range. And this film role for him just exemplifies that. It just makes it even more, it nails it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, if you ever had any doubts as to his uh, ability as an actor, this movie should solidify in, in everyone's eyes how good he can be. He owned this role. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Oppenheimer was like in real life. I've seen very little footage of him, but, you know, he he just owned this role, Killian Murphy. He he gave him a voice mm -hmm. and a personality and a demeanor that worked very well for this film. So, I mean, great casting choice in this lead role. Um, and again, speaking of Oscars, I wouldn't doubt to see uh, Killian Murphy's name on that list for best actor. Mm -hmm. um, I agree, yeah. Um, and as well for Chris Nolan for best film. Because the way this this summer we're in the middle of summer blockbuster season, right? Or at the mm -hmm. at the kind of yeah. beginning of it, and there haven't been really any true big blockbuster feeling movies. We got Mission Impossible, which is great, but we know what to expect from that. You know, things like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. God knows we already went on our rants about that, and and there hasn't been a movie on this level. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, this year, this year for sure, this movie is on the number one. Uh, yeah, to watch. 
and sure. and and judging from the lineup of movies that are yet to be released during the summer and even for the rest of the year mm-hmm. this is probably going to be in that top list in that top three list of films for the year and i think it's going to be a strong contender for an oscar award for best film best director best supporting actor and best actor um i'm gonna i'm gonna call it on all those categories um yeah. for me how good was this film it was very good i'm not gonna go to a damn good like i usually do when i <laughs> you know we did memento and to me that yeah. was a damn good film mm-hmm. um scott gave his ranking of chris nolan's movies at least at least the top five or the top three or, and you mm-hmm. did as well for me this movie falls i agree with you it falls in within the top five maybe around a number four for mm-hmm. chris nolan movies um i think dunkirk is is still unmatched by by his standards that that was like incredible that film but right behind that and by very small margin to me is memento because mm-hmm. um in in we rewatched it we we revisited it and we did an episode on it and i was just floored i forgot how good that movie was actually it's one of the few movies that i could say i enjoy it more now than i did when the first time i saw it and that's a very hard thing to do with movies you know right so. i think memento is the kind of movie that it, it you keep finding more information that like you mentioned earlier in the movie yes. the last review because i think you you can't not just watch it one time because this movie has so much hidden information or even like it sparks and like thoughts and you know like i think you you, you need to see at least few more times to really yeah. appreciate the movie and i agree and okay so the the rotten tomatoes you want me to go through the rotten tomato scoring from christopher nolan sure. oh yeah i'd love to hear it. um so the number one ranked for nolan and uh for the rotten tomato is the the dark knight that's 94 percent. number one number one wow no, i'm surprised yeah, number two is oppenheimer um mm. followed by memento Mm. Um, and they all like one percent less. So actually, Oppenheimer is is actually ninety four percent as well. Wow! Um, so they tied with Dark Knight. Dunkirk was four. Uh, oh, that I'm really surprised. Yeah. So Dunkirk was four. Um, Insomnia is number five, and then the Dark Knight Rises is number six. Inception seven. Um, Batman Begins. Really, Batman's Begins. It's and then the Prestige. Oh wow, that's surprising. That list to me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I expected Inception to be higher. I expected any of the Batman movies to be a bit lower. Yeah. Um, wow, and and I'm actually surprised that Memento is that high on the list. You yeah, know, I I I think especially with maybe like younger generations, I don't know how that how that movie will uh take. So that's kind of a, a nice surprise to hear. That's a very surprising list. But then mm-hmm. again, it's like you got to think these movies all came out at different times, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of in you know. But I I don't know who knows. So why. Memento <laughs> is still hold up, uh, even though through all this time, right? It, it's still ranked very high. Yeah, uh, percentage compared to all his uh, latest ones. So yeah, um, yeah, which is pretty interesting. No, no, th- it dude, leads. it's it's it's. I'm very surprised by that list. Some pleasant surprises there. Some some things I may disagree with, 
um interesting nonetheless so i i mean but i mean listen uh so i just got a text from uh scott because i have my text on my screen and he's oh, like yeah? sorry sorry for jumping off early and <laughs> you know come on scott uh when you hear this episode i'm not i'm gonna repeat it dude that you showed up and took time on your vacation to do this at all it speaks wonders to your dedication uh, you, for you joey p as well you know we, we managed to do this episode on a tight time schedule we each love to do this podcast for our own reasons it's because we love movies we love comparing movies with each other and hopefully mm. that comes across with our audience given that i think we could bring this episode to a close do you is there anything else you want to add joey p about um oppenheimer and christopher nolan in general oh no i think we all covered it well yeah thank you audience for joining the few people that we have as subscribers hopefully that'll grow Please uh, feel free to share how good was it with your friends. Let them know if you think they'll be into our rankings, our reviews of movies. Feel free to reach out. We love to uh, interact with our audience whenever we can. So uh, we have a YouTube channel where you can see previews of every episode. It's a small sampling of what you'll get on the audio podcast. And you can leave comments there as well. Feel free to hit us up. There's probably an email address at the end of this episode. There'll be call-outs for uh, social media as well as uh, streaming platforms. Like, follow, and subscribe if you can. Share the word about how good was it. And we look forward to seeing you again or for you to hear us again, better said. Say bye, Joe AP. Bye, guys. Look for new episodes of How Good Was It every Tuesday on Apple iTunes, Spotify, overcast and youtube make sure to follow to like and subscribe for more how good was it check out at how good was it pod on instagram facebook letterboxd and tiktok for twitter you can find us at hgwi pod what movie would you like us to review drop your suggestions by hitting us up at how good was it pod at gmail.com.